way, you guys are now blowing up the text line, um, which I completely appreciate. People are texting in. What? You really don't have a microwave? What? Seriously? Okay. So just to just to tie this up with a nice, neat bow before Bill English and I dive into some serious Bible study here about the life of David. Um, okay. Our microwave died several months ago. And in a little bit of an exercise of do we really need that, we have not yet replaced it. And I use the term yet because I feel as if it's possible the day will come um, as the teenagers uh, cook more and more of their own food, that the microwave, the sense of a need for a microwave will return. But at this point, if you have a stove and you have a grill and you have a toaster, the need, the real need for a microwave is is, is not Yes, you don't you don't need one. See, I, I look at it and I think, how do I use a microwave? I was thinking about this during the during the break. I use it almost always exclusively for reheating things that have already been cooked. So you know, I know. You, so I now have all kind. I have, I have, so, I have so many amazing reheating methods that are so much better than the microwave now. And see, so this is what the cooking with Carmen segment would be because I would open the refrigerator <laughs> and I would say, "Hmm, what are we having for dinner tonight?" And then, and some of it would be reheat night. And how do you? How, how do so you how reheat? do you? How well, do you so do last that? night, so last night, yeah, um, we had we had made some. Well, anytime Jim actually goes through the process of of you know getting getting this amazing charcoal fire that's got the hickory in it and it's all super deliciousy and tasty and we're not just going to cook one piece of meat on that i'm actually going to have him cook some meat for some future nights sure. and so last night i open up a container and it has four buffalo burgers in it that he grilled over the hickory fire oh. earlier i know right and i'm like okay now to reheat those what am i going to do so here's the trick you put them in a put them large in a microwave no. You put them in a large skillet on the top of your stove with a little bit of water, and you bring them up slowly to temperature. And they taste just as good as if they li- – oh, you got to put a lid over it because you're kind of like steaming them back to life. And it's amazing. And you put the cheese on there. You put the lid back on. You turn it off. The cheese perfectly melts. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, be- I believe you, but the, it's it's the word slowly that – that gets to me because you microwaves, are in too great a hurry. Microwaves are hurry. fast. You know, I can I can heat up a that same hamburger patty in forty five seconds. Boom! I'm and it's, I'm good. And it's not as good. Okay, we're gonna move on. Yeah, but this. I'm a man. So, okay, I am a whoa man. You are okay. a whoa so, man. There you go. <laughs> All right. Okay, we're gonna try All to right. not get ourselves into any more trouble. Uh, Bill English is really here today from BibleandBusiness.com to talk us, to begin a conversation that he and I intend to have over the course of several months. We are going to, we are going to very slowly and methodically uh, pull out, derive from David's life, the King David, um, David's life, leadership principles. And so let's start today, Bill, with this question. Why study the life of David? You study the life of David because he is, uh, to my way of thinking, uh, an incredible example of how God prepares somebody for leadership. Uh, you know, you, you go back and you look at when he was anointed. He was the youngest. He was the youngest of all these brothers. He was not presented before Saul. Uh, initially, they had to go get him out of the field and bring him to Saul, or not Saul, but Samuel, so that Samuel could anoint him, right? And then I estimate it's somewhere between 15 and 20 years before David is even anointed in Hebron, and it's another seven and a half years before he's anointed by the northern ten tribes. 
So, uh, you know, he must have been somewhere between 12 and 15 years of age, I estimate. And he doesn't become king until he's 30 years old. So what are the lessons that God needed to teach him between the time he was anointed and the time he became king? Got the idea, actually, from R.T. Kendall's book. R.T. Kendall wrote a book about this. You know, R.T. is uh, or was the pastor at Westminster Abbey in London. Uh, Have you ever been there, by the way? I have. Isn't that a beautiful place? Totally extraordinary. Yeah. The fact that there's people buried in the floor wakes me out a little bit, but... No, otherwise it's really cool. Yeah, I'm okay. Maybe maybe I said it wrong. Westminster Chapel, not the Abbey, not the oh, okay. West Westminster Chapel. It's about a hundred yards uh, from Buckingham Palace, and it's it's an evangelical church. Uh, oh, I have not been there. G. Campbell Morgan, Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones, R. T. Kendall have been the pastors there throughout the years. And uh, uh, anyways, he wrote a book on on the 17 lessons that David had to learn before he became king. And so I read that book, and then I kind of set it aside and did this, uh, what, what you and I are going to do here on Wednesday mornings, did this as a Bible study at my church over the course of I don't know how many months it took me to get through it. Uh, but there's a lot of leadership lessons that David needed to learn before he became king. Isn't it interesting uh, that God poured into David before he became king so that when he was king, he could lead the country in righteousness. That's why we study David. So when we come back, let's um, let's talk about what God poured into David um, prior to his becoming king. And, um, and some of that is, you know, sort of the experience of what leadership looked like in the life of Saul prior to David and the recovery that was necessary. So we're going to look at uh, we're going to look at that here with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Up next. All right. So now people are concerned that they're not on Facebook, and if I launch a cooking with Carmen segment on my Facebook page, they won't be able to see it. <laughs> we will. We will find a way. We will. You know. You know. There's probably. I don't know. We will find a way for you to access the cooking with Carmen segment, which apparently is going to launch tomorrow. I can't launch it tonight because tonight we're going to see the Emmanuel movie. Oh, yeah. So I'll be having dinner at the Mongolian. If Bill doesn't barbecue. know about the Emmanuel movie. It's uh, well, okay. You'll. So the Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, um, four years ago this past Monday was, you know, the site of this mass shooting. Oh, and yes, the Emanuel yes, yes, movie. Yes, yes. So this movie is <clears throat> an opportunity for folks to reengage that conversation, revisit the event and then walk forward through those four years of forgiveness with those families and with that congregation. It's a really, really redemptive thing. So anyway, we're all going tonight. Um, to see it. It's just a two-night event, Monday night and tonight. So people can still get tickets. Um, it's a Fathom event, but it's um, it's shown at theaters all across the country. So I really encourage people to to check that out tonight. Okay, back to our conversation with Bill English from com about why we're studying the life of David. And let's, uh, let's use this time to walk through what David, the lessons David needed to learn before he became king. Oh my, you want to go through all 17 well, no. lessons. No, no. I want you to brief us in on if I'm feeling like I'm called to leadership, but I'm anxious that I'm not there yet, right? There there are some things that I can keep in mind that um, would move me toward a place where I would be ready, like ready to, to do what God has called me to do. That's sort of where the, the soil I'd like to till today. 
Okay. Um, the uh, the lessons, some of the lessons that David had to learn, the first one was being underestimated. It's an interesting concept, uh, being underestimated. Uh, a lot of people don't think that they have the ability to be a leader, and neither did David. But once he was anointed, the scriptures say that the Spirit came on him in power, and David became a different person. And so one of the other lessons that he has to learn is how to submit himself to God. Uh, for example, when he is uh, really mad at Nabal and he's riding his horses with some of his men and he's going to come up and he's just going to whack Nabal and kill him. And Abigail comes out and uh, basically calms the situation down. Abigail was Nabal's wife. David actually praises God for Abigail, Abigail, Abigail stepping in and, and basically keeping him from sinning. And so uh, there is the sense in which, uh, as a leader, sometimes you have this uh, propensity to really go forward and really want to, you can see into the future, you want to get there, but sometimes God has to slow you down and uh, and keep you from sinning. So those are the kinds of lessons that we'll be talking about over the next um, few months. Okay, when David, well, when Saul is introduced to us, he's introduced to us with characteristics like impressive, tall, handsome, um, from a respected family. He's got all the right connections. But we know from the life of Saul that uh, he also ends up not being a guy with great character. And then David is introduced to us in 1 Samuel 13. How? He is introduced to us as just kind of this, well, I won't say has been, but he is introduced to us as as the guy who was overlooked. He mm-hmm. was he was the guy that was overlooked. If you go back to 13, and I'm trying to get there, uh, if, if, if you go back there, he is the youngest. He's a shepherd. He's probably not the guy you would pick. He was introduced as small, ruddy, handsome, yeah, but just he didn't fit the stereotype. He didn't fit. He wasn't presidential in his appearance, so to speak, and, uh, and yet he was the one that God chose. So if people go to BibleandBusiness.com and they pull this lesson up today, which they can find right there on the homepage, um, they're going to they're gonna see that when David is first introduced, it's not by name, but by a phrase, a man after God's own heart. And then later you tell us, you, you, you say this, you say later he is described as one who is better than Saul. And we learn um, those, the things that are better about David than Saul, um, that he's found that God appointed him to this ministry, that he's feared um, not only by Saul but by enemies, that he's fallen and that he's forgiven. Yes. Um, and those are, um, those are important because they remind us that, that David is actually, we are a lot like him or he is a lot like us or we're just all human um, in that we do sin. And so leadership is not about not ever sinning. I mean, we, we can't think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Am I am I tracking with you here on why we study the life of David? Yeah, because he is us, and we, we will see ourselves in the life of David so many times. Think about a guy who <clears throat> committed adultery, lust, treason, murder, stealing. He really was a terrible parent when you look at the output of his children <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and the coveting, and yet he's described as a man after God's own heart. He wrote most of Psalms. He wrote a huge portion of Scripture. And uh, and I'm sure he is in heaven with God now. Uh, we see ourselves in him. So many Christian leaders choreograph themselves to have this perfect persona. 
and 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 there's no cracks in the wall, so to speak, with so many of our Christian leaders. I tend to gravitate towards the leaders who have their act together, but not entirely. Who leaders who who really are human. They're real, and and they're I can identify with them. This is why you like me. I do. Mm-hmm. I like you, even because though you and I, I have never met personally. I, I still know, like so you. It's so odd, isn't it? it? Is. Pe- now, now people are scratching their heads. So Bill is sitting <laughs> actually in the studio with Paul uh, in in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I am in my little uh, radio cabin, radio shack uh, in Tennessee. So those of you who were wondering, you know, where Carmen is that she's doing uh, all, all of these uh, mysterious things like cooking without a microwave, um, I'm doing it from just west of Nashville, Tennessee. So Bill and I have never met face to face, but we intend to rectify that the next time I'm in the yes, Twin Cities, yes, which absolutely. will be in September. Oh, by the good, way. good. So mark your calendar. I will. Um, OK, so if I scroll down to the bottom of today's lesson at Bibleandbusiness.com, Yes. Um, I get to a paragraph that says, perhaps you feel called to ministry. Perhaps you understand you're called, but you feel anxious that you're not there yet. And so I'm going to say to everybody, everybody is called to ministry um, because you and I are ministers of reconciliation. We're ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. We're agents of grace. So you are called to ministry. There are good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do on his behalf. Um, So tell us what we're going to learn from David's life and this study um, over these next several weeks and months? Well, first of all, our sin may not accurately reflect our heart for God, okay? When David kills Uriah and takes Bathsheba and commits adultery with her, that really isn't a reflection of who he is or where his heart is with God. Secondly, David and Saul both are going to provide us examples of what not to do as well as what to do. So uh, we'll see what a leader is not, sometimes in the life of David and more often than the life of Saul. And we'll also see what God does to build David up into a leader. Thirdly, I love this one. God can use fallen people like you and me. Well, Uh, thank goodness, or nobody would ever do anything. Yeah. And, And God sovereignly calls us to different ministries, and I think we need to respect that. And last but not least, our choices really do have real, lasting, eternal consequences. Yet our sin is never a final reality. We can also start fresh in Jesus Christ every day. Hmm. Amen. So, Bill, I'm really looking forward to the next um, several weeks and months as we work our way through these 17 uh, different lessons about leadership from the life of David. So thank you for um, posting them at BibleandBusiness.com. And thank you for beginning to walk with us on this journey today. You are welcome. I appreciate it. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. 